I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. In Syria, the scales may have been tipped today in the Battle of Aleppo. Control of Syria's largest city is seen as critical to the survival of the regime of Bashar al-Assad. But now rebel fighters have reportedly seized three key neighborhoods in the north and west of the city. The occupation came on the eve of a four-day ceasefire for the Muslim holiday of Eid al-Adha. Throughout the conflict, government restrictions have made it hard to know for sure what's going on inside Syria. Today, we called a couple of experts with good contacts inside the country. Amr al-Azam is a prominent member of the Syrian opposition here in the U.S. and a professor at Shawnee State University. And Joshua Landis lived in Syria for years. He now teaches Middle Eastern studies at the University of Oklahoma. Landis says what he's hearing is that the rebels are optimistic. A friend of mine who was on the phone this morning to a leading rebel commander said that this is how the commander described the situation. He said, the government does not have more than 6,000 troops in Aleppo. The Shabiha, these militias, pro-government, are about 2,000. But he said the rebel troops have 40,000. Now, I'm not sure that may be a bit of an exaggeration, but they claim that they far outnumber the government troops. Of course, the government troops have better arms, better communication, but they have now cut off the Damascus-Aleppo road and access from the west and, of course, access from Turkey in the north is, is cut off as well. So it's very hard for the government to resupply itself. And they are hoping that they can win the fight for downtown Aleppo. Right. And just for our listeners, uh, Aleppo is in the north of Syria, uh, not too far from the Turkish border. So, Professor Al-Azam, I mean, there's government forces and militia in the city center around the old citadel. They look pretty isolated. Are those forces now trapped? Do they have a way out? I mean, I, on the map I saw, there's only one road down to Damascus. I, I, I believe it's—I I don't know if tra- trapped in the sense of totally uh, trapped. I mean, they can still maneuver. They can still move out if they need to withdraw. But I think the, the situation is becoming more and more precarious, especially now that the opposition has been able to cut the uh, the main trunk road in several places, and in fact for large stretches. Uh, you know, the, this is a war of attrition, and I don't think the, the regime is actually really uh, winning this. And what we're hoping is that now, you know, with the U.S. elections coming to an end, and with the possibility of a more united opposition politically with the forthcoming meeting in, in Doha on the 8th, of November, that this might all create the necessary, if you want, uh, the the game changer, if you want, the necessary stimulus that would basically break this deadlock and and allow the opposition to uh, gain the upper hand. So there's a conjunction coming, I think, that coincides with the increased activity in Aleppo and its potential all. Uh, Josh Landis, let's consider the people in those neighborhoods in Aleppo occupied uh, by the rebels today. I mean, these are primarily Kurdish or Christian neighborhoods, and these people must be terrified of government retaliation uh, through airstrikes and artillery. I mean, we're even hearing some reports that Kurds are fighting back. What, What have you heard? Well, I've heard that, too, that Kurds are fighting back. And at first we thought that possibly the Kurds had just decided to, you know, try to stay out of this. But it's a, clearly a dynamic situation, and the Christians' population are terrified. One friend told me that his maid had fainted earlier in the day because the fighting was so fierce. But once these sharpshooters get to the top of your building, then they begin to set up anti-aircraft guns on the top of your building. Of course, you're waiting then for the government to come and bomb you with their air force. What about this ceasefire? I mean, uh, this was supposed to start tomorrow. Um, now what? Well, you know, both sides— it, it, this ceasefire is so 
it, it seems so impossible because the situation on the ground is changing quickly. Both sides, and here we have to speak loosely, the Syrian government has said they will abide by the ceasefire if the other side stops shooting. Several of the major commanders have told Lahd Abrahimi, the UN representative, that they will abide by the ceasefire if there's no shooting. But Salafist groups and more uh, Islamist groups have said that they're not going to abide by it. It's very hard to imagine how this ceasefire would work. And there are hundreds of armed groups in the opposition who don't answer to any one command and control. So it's very difficult to see how a ceasefire would really hold, Mm. particularly if there's major movement in Aleppo. Professor Al-Azam, it was kind of eerie what you said earlier uh, about Syrians patiently waiting for U.S. elections on November 6th to be over, kind of with the assumption that the U.S. would lead the charge for intervention. When do you think that would happen? When would the White House start refocusing on Syria? November 7th? All indications that we have from people that I and others have spoken to in the United States government are telling us that once the elections are over, there will be a change in policy. From what we hear, it's not going to be actually a military intervention or suddenly there's going to be airstrikes or anything like that. But what most of us think is going to happen is that the U.S. will allow for the, you know, allow more arming of the rebels of the, of the opposition army uh, with, with the sort of weaponry needed to tip the balance. And I think that's going to be the game changer. And Joshua Landis, you think that's uh, overly optimistic? Well, I think it's going to take a long time. The government, the, the Syrian army is still very powerful. It has backers in Iran, Russia and China to a, a degree. It has a lot of heavy weaponry. There's still a lot of fight in this regime. But on the other hand, if if the opposition manages to take the core, the heart of Aleppo, it is going to be a big boost for the opposition. People today who are talking about a stalemate, who are talking about maybe there are too many Islamists, it's being penetrated by al-Qaeda, and, and have lost uh, some of the enthusiasm they had for the opposition in the beginning, will be re in a sense, reinvigorated, and everybody likes a winner. So if the opposition can win in Aleppo, that'll be a major, major uh, change. Joshua Landis at the University of Oklahoma and director of their Middle Eastern Studies program, and Amr al-Azam, a prominent member of the Syrian opposition here in the U.S. and a professor at Shawnee State. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Pleasure.